You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. That's right. We're back for another episode of the Godfather and Gorney podcast here with the Godfather and the Gorney, the Godfather and the Gorney. Guys, uh, we got a lot to talk about today, but we're going to start off with Tua Tagovailoa and his injury and what that means for Alabama. So, Mike, I'll let you start with your thoughts on that. So you think they're going to lose to Arkansas, Gorney? First of all, it's Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. My bad. Uh, No, they're not going to lose to Arkansas. But the spread is still... Do you think still... they could lose to Arkansas in any way, shape, or form, like ever? I don't think it would be possible if they put their second string... If they sat all starters and played their second string, that they would lose to Arkansas. How about Evan Neal at quarterback? I think they'd win because they could run Wildcat with him. Yeah, I think so, too. And they would win. I honestly think they but would what win. what about LSU? I mean, let's 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 assume Tua is going to be back and he's not going to be 100%. What, what chances do you give Alabama against LSU? I still give them a very, very good chance of winning, and, and here's why. Nick Saban is going to have that team prepared. I think Alabama's defense is actually better than LSU's defense, which I know you disagree with. I would yes. suspect it would be a shootout. Um, as many well, actually, wait. What did you say? You said it. Alabama's defense is better than LSU's defense? Sure, by every number, it's better. No, 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 they're not better. Well, okay, we can argue that in a second. Um, and so I, I definitely think Tua won't be 100%. I'd be surprised if he's 50%. High ankle sprains are super tricky. You almost want to break your ankle instead of getting a high ankle sprain because it's not going to... It's not going to ever heal if you're ever moving it. So in three weeks, I'd don't, be surprised if he's Don't say that to Saquon Barkley. Well, I, I'm not saying he it's came him. back in what two weeks. Well, he's superhuman, and I think the surgery that Tagovailoa had, um, the, you know, the tight rope I whip or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think he should be back. Um, you know, before this game itself, I don't think it's going to be something that lingers. But his mobility isn't really an issue to me. No, uh, because he just. Sits back there, has all day, throws slants, and they turn into touchdowns. So, yep. you know, I think I think it comes down to the defenses, and, and I really do believe – I'm not picking LSU because I got Alabama winning it all still. And I still think LSU is going to wake up eventually offensively for one game. But, you know, and, and by wake up, I mean go back to what they were. Um but I think defensively, LSU gives them a very good chance against uh, Alabama because I think they're the only team that can challenge in the secondary those wide receivers. So I, I'm looking forward to a good game. But, you know, a lot of people say he's worth a touchdown in Vegas, um, that Bama would have been a 10-point favorite or something like that. Well, that's crazy. And, yeah, and that without him, it'll be, they'll be a three-point favorite. Well, I'll say this, I and I honestly believe this. The loser of that game should still be very much in contention for the final four, because if we're talking about the four best teams in the country, you're not going to convince me that Georgia, the way they're playing, at least right now, and what they've shown, especially having no offensive weapons other than DeAndre Swift, is better than LSU or Alabama. So if we're talking about the best four teams... A one-loss, non-division winner, much like Ohio State made it to the Final Four when Penn State beat them and won the, the conference and didn't make it a few years ago. I think that 
one, oh, Alabama or LSU deserves to be in the Final Four, even if they lose that game and don't play for the conference championship. No way. Because who are you kicking out then? You're, you're, well, who knows what happens? You might have to kick out an oh, undefeated okay. Penn State. You might have to kick out Oklahoma. If Oklahoma and LSU played today, who wins that game? Did you just say an undefeated Penn State? If they beat Ohio State, they could go undefeated, sure. Well, if they beat Ohio State, you can't kick them out, period. Well, Penn State two years ago? Weren't undefeated. No, but they beat Ohio State. Yep. Won the conference. Right. And the selection committee, in their infinite wisdom, took Ohio State to the Final Four. So there is precedent for this to happen. Yeah, but undefeated is a different story. You know, the precedent there is the Big 12. Um, you know, with Baylor, you know, and, and but I just don't see an undefeated Big 10 team getting left out. I don't see an undefeated Clemson team getting up, left out. I don't see an undefeated Oklahoma team getting left out. And I think all of those teams are going to be undefeated. I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten and be undefeated. But yeah, so you know, do I. Penn State runs the table and, and goes undefeated. Then there's no way they're going to let them out. So I don't think this is the year we're going to see two SEC teams like we did. Which is um, unfortunate because there's like three really good ones, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's, I mean, listen, there's two really good ones in the Big Ten. Um there's only one good one in the Big 12 and only one good one in the ACC. So you could argue that. And, of course, we're not even talking about the Pac-12. They're already eliminated now, um, as they should be. Right. But the two teams in the Big 12, you know, and ACC, Oklahoma and Clemson, respectively, are so good to me. I mean, Clemson wins 45-10, to 10 and everybody's talking about how much Trevor Lawrence is overrated and how much this team stinks and all that. I mean, I, yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I, I get it. The expectations are there, and they're so high because of two national championships in the last three years and because of what Trevor Lawrence did his first year. But, I mean, come on. They haven't had a close game. But they haven't played anyone seriously with any level of elite talent at all. Neither is Ohio State, but nobody says the same thing about them. Well, that's true, too. I, I get what you're saying there. But, 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 but Ohio yeah, State will. But Ohio Clemson. State will, and Clemson won't. Uh, well, that's true. But I don't really think that's Clemson's fault. I mean, they scheduled Texas A&M years ago. Uh, Florida State is usually good. I mean, it's not their fault that they're just an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can only play who's on the schedule. That's really not their fault. I mean, when you look at... I know, but Charlotte is on the schedule. Wofford's on the schedule. I mean, come on. Yeah, but Alabama does that every year. Yeah, but Alabama has to play Auburn, LSU, whoever else. I mean, every every game is is tough at Alabama. Texas A&M was the number 12 team in the country when they defeated them. Syracuse was the top 25 team entering the season. Are you defending Clemson's schedule versus the other teams in the top five? Because it's... Not even close. No. I mean, even Oklahoma I, in a in a in an average Big Twelve, uh, you know, plays tougher teams. I thought you got rid of your cat. He's talking behind the door. There's nothing really I can do now. That's awesome. Yeah. Your cat owns you. <laughs> Seriously. Your cat owns you. Your daughter owns you. Your wife owns you. I get nothing. You get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Get a dog. Make yourself fifth. 
Um, I mean, Oklahoma I never has to play in Texas. I get that. It's always on a neutral field, which is, I think, an advantage for, for Oklahoma. But they might have to play Texas twice. Yeah, they might have to play Texas twice. But, I mean, they're the, it, at least they have okay, to go to Baylor. Just... At least they have to play Iowa State. At least they have to go to Oklahoma State. I mean, Clemson plays nobody. I, and I'm not saying Clemson's not a top-four team. I'm just saying they could sit Trevor Lawrence and his eight interceptions for the rest of the year, and they'd still win. <clears throat> Um, all right. Texas A&M is not a very good football team, but they were ranked. Syracuse is a bad football team, but they were ranked preseason. Florida State's a horrible football team. Horrible. North Carolina's not good. Louisville's not good. <laughs> Keep we going. Sh- we won't even talk about Charlotte or Georgia Tech. <laughs> Wofford is Wofford. Boston College is average, very average, four and three. NC State, very average, just lost to Boston College. Wake Forest is good, but good by ACC standards. And South Carolina uh, beat Georgia, but can't beat anybody else. So, no. yeah, the schedule's abysmal, but they're still winning handily. Yeah, no. I, I mean, the UNC game, I think, really started to tick people off. But it's no different than what was it, the Deshaun Watson NC State game? Remember when the the kicker, who I can't stand college kickers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you see the kicking this weekend? It was just awful. That's all they do is practice kicks. I've been to so many practices in in my life, and that's all they do is practice kicks. Yeah. That's it. It's like Army Week and Under Armour Week. All they do is special teams, and then every screw-up is on special teams, every single one. And they can't make field goals. And they can't punt out of bounds. And I don't understand why teams don't punt out of bounds. I mean, it can't be that hard. I would never scholarship a kicker. Never. No. And I know they're going to get a bunch of kicker complaints and a bunch of tweets at me kicker parents, which is right up there with quarterback parents. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Difficult to deal with. But, I mean, again, just abysmal. The whole Virginia Tech-North Carolina game was just a great example of that. But... The NC State game where Deshaun Watson looked horrible and they almost lost. They should have lost had NC State made the field goal. Uh, the Pitt game, you know, I mean, they, they always have a clunker, but they're going to beat BC by three touchdowns. Yeah. They're, they're going to beat everybody by three touchdowns from here on in. They're going to make the playoff. And, I, you know, I think they're going to be in the final against Alabama again. So, you know, I just don't get it. Ohio State, when you look at their schedule. That's murderer's row right there. So far? Uh, no, not so, not, not so, so far. far, but talk about this FAU, last month. Cincinnati's not a bad football team, and they did beat them 42 to nothing. Indiana, Miami of Ohio, Nebraska, Michigan State stinks. Northwestern's horrible. Wisconsin, not as good as we expected. That hurt Ohio State right there, I think. Um, well, it hurt the Big Ten. It didn't hurt Ohio State because we could very well be having this discussion right now talking about three Big Ten teams instead of two, but Wisconsin decided to go out and lose to Illinois, which is just hard to do. Yeah. Um, Maryland, Rutgers, yeah, that's murderer's row. Wait, it's Penn State's it's, tough. It's Michigan's up. not Michigan's not tough. That's always a rivalry game, though, so that's always going to be... Yeah, but they're not... They, they, did, anybody, did anybody on this earth expect Michigan to beat Penn State? Uh, no. <laughs> and, they, and, and you know what? Was Penn State anybody almost blew really, that game. Was anybody really outraged that Jim Harbaugh didn't win a game against a top ten team again? No, that's where's good. the where's the outrage? It's come to be the expectation. It would be a shock if he could win that game. And that's the thing: the expectations in Michigan have fallen so low. 
it used to be we're getting Harbaugh, yeah, we're paying him millions of dollars, and we'll get to the coaches' salaries in a bit, but and he's going to win national championships for us. And, and it now was, it's like, well, he's better than Brady Hope. Right. And he's well, that's what it's come down to. Yeah, and you know, it was that game was twenty-one nothing in in the blink of an eye, and. Then Penn State let off the gas, and Michigan slowly crept back in that game, but uh, and and had a chance to tie it late, and they couldn't they couldn't do it. I mean, they're just you know, I mean, yeah. they they he can't win big games. He just doesn't win big games. You know, everybody, everybody blames Don Brown. You know, oh, we don't have the speed to, to to man cover and all the blitz packages he does and all. That's what he's done forever, and he's had success at it uh, at Maryland. He had success at UConn doing it um, when he was an assistant coach there and Boston College is he had the number one defense in the country a couple of years at Boston College no speed there it's not like these guys are running four threes um, his system works the players don't work uh, for some reason everybody seems to come up flat uh, there's really no speed on this football team. Well, that's the other uh, thing. I, I, all I heard was Josh Gaddis's new revamped offense are going to go fast. They're going to line up. They're going to spread people out. Looks like Michigan's old offense. Well, that's why I think, you know, again, like I told you before, you know, he, he's not calling the plays. Right. He's but telling he's him how to call the game. Right. The game plan is still the head coach's game plan. Mm-hmm. And that game plan is heavy on a lot of predictable runs and it's not Shea Patterson's fault that nobody can catch a pass either. Yeah. Especially I mean, five-star Donovan people's Jones. He had a few drops in that well, game. Nico Collins. Yeah. Dropped a couple, I think too. It's just like, these are great talented, big receivers who can get open and then drop passes. And yeah. These aren't perfect passes. I mean, they're not passes that are, you know, right on the money or Velcro to your chest, but they're catchable passes. But again, if Patterson's hasn't gotten better, under Aubrey, and that's why I just don't think Michigan, who's currently ranked 19th, which is inexplicable to me, yes, um, is really a challenge for Ohio State moving forward. I think it's the Penn State game that comes down to that, but there's no way two SEC teams get in. Ohio State's going to run the table. Oklahoma's going to run the table. And then whoever converges from the SEC West will get in. And then Clemson. Beating the same team four. twice is tough. If Wisconsin wins out, they win the the West, and they're gonna have to beat they're gonna have to beat Wisconsin twice. That's tough. Yeah, except for if you're Ohio State, but they drub Wisconsin every time they play. Yeah, pretty much. Wasn't it fifty-two to nothing a few years ago? And I think this weekend is lining up for just that. I I don't see how Ryan Day doesn't really use that athleticism to their advantage. And I know Wisconsin coming back after a loss will be refocused, but I just don't think that they, you know, and they've shut out a bunch of, of loser teams, but uh, I think Ohio state's a different animal. And I think Ryan Day, as we've talked about many times before, will keep the pedal to the metal and, and will score a lot of points this weekend. So the final four is already set. Yeah. We just have to figure out who wins LSU Alabama. See, we always say that, and then Alabama is going to lose a game, or LSU loses to Auburn this weekend, or Oklahoma loses to Baylor, or all kinds of crazy stuff always happens. Hmm. We'll see. This year seems to be less crazy. Yeah, it does. This year seems to be the year it should be an 18 playoff, but we won't get into that because that could be a conversation forever. Well, um, well, I think what we're saying this year, and – this is big picture stuff, Mike. So this is big oh. stuff here. 
I think we're seeing the change in recruiting happen in college football. Players don't want to be just the marquee guy anymore. They want to play on an all-star team, much like the NBA or in high school football. And so we're seeing the concentration of talent get go to fewer and fewer and fewer schools more than ever, more than ever. And that's probably mm-hmm. why we're not seeing upsets is because, Al, you know, five, ten years ago, Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith would have never gone to play with Jerry Judy. Now they don't care, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it's also recruiting has become more national than it ever was. You know, I remember when it was a big deal when Miami would go into California and take a kid or, you know, Pete Carroll came along and USC was recruiting every state in the country. Yeah. But now, you know, with, when Urban Meyer hit Florida and when Nick Saban hit Alabama and, you know, Meyer obviously went up to Ohio State and focused on the Southeast and on and on it goes. Now everybody's recruiting. So even if you have a really good football player in your home state, uh, but you're a middling team, the chances of him staying home are, are very rare if one of the big boys comes following. So I did something today in my column looking at the status, the health status of uh, the last 15 national champions. I'm sure you read it, Gordon. I was all over that, yeah. Religiously. And, you know, you, you, you don't remember, obviously, you know, Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State. You remember Florida State because of Jameis Winston. You remember Auburn because of Cam Newton. Uh, in Florida because Urban Meyer, but LSU, you know, won, uh, what, 100 years ago, it seems. 2004, uh, maybe? Texas, 100 years ago. Uh, USC, you know, Carroll, Miami, Tennessee, and Nebraska are all just horrible, horrible football programs right now. Michigan is just the, the epitome of an underachieving program. And you go back to Washington, which is surprising me because I was waiting to get to Notre Dame. Mm. But Washington, you know, is, is one of the 15 and not Notre Dame. So uh, Oklahoma's still good. You know, Alabama and Clemson are still good. Ohio State's still good. And, and that's about it. Florida's pretty good, but not ready to, for prime time in the SEC. And I still won't believe in LSU until they break through and beat Alabama. So it really is the same teams. It does, it does make things a little bit boring. Um, but – you know, the funny part about it is recruiting doesn't change. Coaches change recruiting. I mean, Florida State's still recruiting in the top ten. Yeah. But Willie Taggart can't get them doing anything. Just think of, um, just think about this, though, Mike. I mean, just look at the quarterback changes in the last few years and how good these teams are recruiting a quarterback. Alabama had Jalen Hurts. He was 26-2 and two as a starter. He lost his job to Tua, who's been awesome. LSU, yeah. I mean, or Ohio State had Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow was there as the backup. He's now the best quarterback in the country, maybe at LSU, Ohio state had Joe Burrow. Didn't start him goes to Georgia, gets a five-star Justin Fields. He's been awesome. Trevor Lawrence, obviously going through some issues, but it's still awesome. Jalen hurts was at Alabama now at Oklahoma. That's the top five quarterback situation. You should write about that this week, Mike. I think I already kind of did. Oh, okay. Well, I'll do it again. Like tra- how transfer quarterbacks are impacting the national picture and all that stuff. But So I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah? Because there were a lot of memes that came up uh, after Georgia lost to South Carolina and Ohio State just kept rolling on. Um, you know, especially since Ohio State played on a Friday before Georgia uh, beat Kentucky in a very unimpressive fashion. 
and it was all Justin Fields smiling, you know, and, and you know, some of them had Kirby's fart, you know, uh, crying or <laughs> screaming or whatever, you know. And I, but I thought about it. There's absolutely no way Kirby Smart could have kept Justin Fields, period. He, he had no chance, zero, unless Fields was one of those guys who just decided to wait his turn. And the reason I say this is, are you going to bench Jake Fromm, who had led you to the national title game the year before, who was leading you to the SEC East in another showdown with Alabama, uh, with a chance to go to the title game again, uh, you going to bench that guy and let him transfer? Um, you know, I know they brought in Fields and he ran a lot, but even if they had passed on every down that Fields played, he wasn't going to stay at number two. Uh, so people are critical of Kirby Smart, and obviously they should be when it comes to you know, some of the offensive production and some of the things we're seeing on the field the last two weeks, but you can't be critical of them for Justin Fields. There's just no way he was going to keep it. Yeah, I mean, if anything, Justin Fields should be criticized for picking Georgia. I mean, what did he think was going to happen there, that he was just going to come in and replace Jake Fromm? Or was he under the impression that he was going to sit for two years or that they were going to somehow split carries. You never that never works when you put two quarterbacks in, flip flop them in and out. So, I mean, it was kind of a questionable situation when uh, when Fields picked Georgia in the first place after being committed to Penn State earlier in the recruiting process. So, Except for this, he did see Fromm go in as a freshman and replace Jacob Eason, who was a five star the year before. So maybe he thought he would do the same thing. That that could very well. I don't be. think anybody needs to be criticized. I just think it is what it is, and I think Fields is a better fit at Ohio State. But people who are critical of, you know, Kirby Smart for losing Justin Fields, I mean, what, what, yeah, he shouldn't have put him in on that. Right. No, there's, yeah. But that wasn't what right. embarrassed Justin Fields out of Georgia. He just was leaving unless he was the starter, and they couldn't make him the starter because your starter had led you to the national title game and the SEC title game in fact so right what are you gonna do so people can make fun of stuff all they want sometimes there's just no situation that's ever gonna work out and I think you know Joe Burrow is a similar uh, case you know he didn't beat out Dwayne Haskins Dwayne Haskins set records uh, was a Heisman finalist went off to be a first-round draft pick uh, Burrow wasn't gonna sit around right and, and wait for his chance when he could go to LSU and play right away. That's just the way it is. So I'm, I'm always critical of guys who don't wait their turn. Uh, but I'm not critical of coaches for losing transfers. I mean, what was Nick Saban going to do? Right. How do you keep Jalen Hurts? Well, how do you keep Tua if you keep Jalen Hurts? And, you know, I mean. Right. So there's no way. There's no winning. I mean, it's a great problem to have. And that's why these teams are still the best in the country, because they have this problem. Right. Oh, no, we got to let Kelly Bryant transfer because we got this kid named Trevor Lawrence. Right. Uh, oh, no, you know, Justin Fields is going to leave. You know, it's just these are good teams that recruit well at the quarterback position. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of fitting that it's these programs who have won national championships who are always good. And then you get a program like Texas A&M who had a bevy of talented quarterbacks and absolutely mismanaged it in every possible way. Yes. And now they are a very average football team. Yes. With an overrated five-star quarterback. Very overrated. Rob. <laughs> Rob Cass.
capacity <laughs> right the next year out of the state of Florida. Right, right, or, right. That's or, how it went. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to have somebody tell me exactly what Kirby Smart could have done. He couldn't have done anything. Now, if I put it out on Twitter and ask that question, there'd be a bunch of keyboard cowboys out there who would come up with a solution, but they're all absolutely moronic. Right, yes. And that's why you don't do that. You didn't have to have him in on the fourth down play of the big punt. That embarrassed the kid. Uh, well, he could have played him half the time. Yeah, that, I mean, that's you know, not going to work. I should do that. I wonder what response is going to get. I might do that live. Do you, think, do you think in his heart of hearts, Kirby would rather have Justin Fields than Jake Fromm? Uh, well, right now? Right now. He'd rather have Justin Fields. You think? I, I I have to assume because you can do so much more with that offense with Justin Fields, especially when you're struggling. And they shouldn't struggle with the running game. Yeah. But I can tell you this: they wouldn't be struggling as much in the run game right now if they had Justin Fields. <laughs> and I'm going to give them a pass for this past weekend because it was literally a downpour all game. I mean, it was just raining. All game long. Mike, what what are you doing? I'm, I'm putting this out. What could Kirby Smart have done? <clears throat> this is a multitasker right here. Podcast, Justin tweeting. Fields at UGA. Now there's going to be a couple of funny guys who say, you know, put up like emojis of bags of cash and stuff like that. So, so be prepared for those guys you got to get your sides ready because you, you're gonna split them with laughter hold on i gotta get my pierre delecto fake twitter account up like mitt romney is ever oh, i don't even follow politics people don't believe it they think i'm lying i don't know what you're talking about mitt romney you know the presidential candidate yeah from t- i've heard of him he's now a senator for utah he admitted yesterday that he has a fake twitter account under the name pierre delecto <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> oh, here's one. Here's our first guy. Fire James Coley. Okay. On Twitter. Played him. Ingenious. That's the other thing. Everybody loves firing everybody. Oh, I love firing everybody too, but but listen. Oh, oh, fire James Coley, I get it. Yeah. No. No, I like firing. I mean it's kinda of interesting for the business and I would love to be fired with some of these buyouts. freaking buyouts. Oh, my God. I love it. You know, Davos Winnie is the arguably the second best coach in college football. All right. Could be the considered the best right now. You could make an argument for it. Okay. Um, I don't care. Short of curing cancer <laughs> or being – Jesus Christ himself, he should never have a $50 million buyout. Never in a million years. Scroll down to line four, Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. $60 million for Jimbo Fisher. That's so funny. I mean, this is insane. Uh, Jeff Brom, who literally has a 2-5 and five football team, I believe. Yeah, $27 million. Has a $27 million buyout. He's, being, he's that, getting paid $6.6 million a year. Everything would change in my life. Per because year he gets this. I wouldn't worry about getting fired at all. 
there wouldn't be a stress. I would probably coach the way Harbaugh coaches. Right. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you win, you win, you lose, you get $20 million, right. and you get another job somewhere else. Such is life. Yes. You know? I'm not going to change my offense. I'm not going to change my defense. I'm not going to adjust mid-game. We win, we win, we lose, we lose. I'm 1-10 in 10 against top 10 teams. But guess what? I'm making 7 mil a year. 7.5. Yep. And I've got 11 million guaranteed. I never have to lift a finger again yes. for the rest of my life to do anything, even if I'm fired tomorrow. Right. That's what I need. That's the type of deal I need with rivals. I don't think they're going to do it now. Scott Frost, who got blown out by Minnesota, has a $20 million buyout. Willie Taggart, $17.7 million buyout. Oh, we have some more idiots here. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who was basically on the chopping block a year and a half ago. $22.7 million buyout. Here are some of the answers. Ready? Yes. This is why social media is the worst thing known to man, because everybody gets a voice, and some of these voices should be, I mean, some of them should be in jail. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if you're so stupid that you could spew this stuff out to the public, you've had to have done something illegal. Right. Yeah. If you have that kind of hate that yeah, you can put that's out. That's your well, if that's your impulse yes. control and that's your you're just yeah, you belong someplace. Um, start him. There's one solution. Start him, okay. Yeah, here's another one. Name fields the starter. Okay. Uh, play or start him. He wanted to start, and he wasn't going to do that with Fromm there, and he didn't want to wait his turn. So so this guy, I won't put out his name, I shouldn't do this, mm-hmm. says play or start him, but then he just said that wouldn't work either. So he came up with a solution and then but shot then his said it, Yeah, it said it wouldn't work, yeah. Uh, changed the entire offense and not expect his QB to make checks at the line of scrimmage without asking his head coach what to do. I don't even know what that means. That person right there cannot have a job. They cannot be employed. Nobody must. Hire this man. <laughs> Who could have? How could he have gotten through an interview? <laughs> the same thing Dan Mullen is doing with Emory Jones. Oh, yeah. Nothing? Right. Emory Jones is... You know, getting every other series, not every other series, but getting a series a quarter or yeah, whatever. And yeah. You could leave, you know? I mean, Emory Jones isn't nearly as good as Justin Fields, but more fake punts. See, there's the humor. Well, that's, that's good. That's that's sharp. Right that's sharp right there. Start him or give him more reps, and the reps he gave were mostly all run plays. I predicted that one, that, that response. Uh... Bench his QB that led him to the Natty and back-to-back SEC championship games. Just that. See, this guy's smart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how they got on Twitter, but they're smart. Uh, why would Kirby Smart have wanted to keep Justin Fields at Georgia? If a kid wants to leave or an employee wants to leave, you just let them. You make the best offer you can, giving Fields a shot in this case, and if no then wish them great luck and move on down the road with the next person. Wow. Mike, we're going down a dark hole of Twitter thoughts that that. we need to... 
it's funny. There's the money one. You know, like there's no answer, but these idiots think they have an answer. The answer is is that they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country and that Justin Fields didn't want to wait two years, so he went to become one of the best quarterbacks in the country somewhere else. People think that there is like a lot of loyalty to their school just because they like them, but there isn't. But people, these are the same people making fun of Kirby Smart for losing Justin Fields. Right, right, right. It's just impossible. I heard your cat again. I like the guy who said, we, we should we should have done this, but that wouldn't have worked anyway. That's That was probably the best. I like that one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why. This is my day. I, I, between message boards and Twitter and interacting, I just listen to these ideas. And I run into a few smart people. Uh, and then I run into these other people. And it just makes me realize... To stay and we're away. Gonna talk about, we're we're going to talk about the way society has changed as we segue into Jared Garantano and your snowflake theory of life. But I don't have a snowflake theory of life. I just think we're getting dumber as a uh, as a, as a nation. You think we're getting dumber as a nation? Oh yeah. I think the dumbness is just being exposed because everyone has a voice now. Hmm. So they were always stupid. They just couldn't show you they were stupid. Right, yeah. Now now everyone thinks that their opinion is equal to everyone else's and that now they have a, a way of tell, of showing it. Yeah, but here's my counterpoint to that. Okay. The contrarian in everybody comes out on social media. So opinions are dumber now because everybody wants to be different. Everyone wants to be like different. Like if you ask a question, who's the best running back in college football? Jonathan Taylor or Travis Etienne? Half of your responses will be a third runner. Back. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think social media makes people dumber. Is that a word, dumber? It's yes. Like, I'm dumb, but more stupid. Is that better? I think both are fine. Yeah, I think both are fine too. Stupider is wrong, but I don't think stupider is wrong. No, I think stupider is wrong. But anyways, if you ask that, you'll get that. You know. Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts, who's the best transfer quarterback? Kobe <coughs> Bryant. Yes, exactly. Jacob Eason. Right. It's not. It's not the question. Right. I gave you two choices. You're not choosing one. So I think because of the um, ability to share opinions, opinions have become dumber, and the world has become dumber as a result of it. And I think um, the internet is the downfall of society. And well, I also think will look back and realize that. And this has been written about a lot. You know. Uh, you know, in a lot of magazines and newspapers, that it's the end of truth. Like, you believe whatever you want to believe and then find crazy people that believe that as well, and then that's the truth that you live in instead of there actually being truth. You know, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that literally believe the earth is flat. Yeah, including what, Kyrie Irving? Including Kyrie Irving. And there is so much evidence beyond any doubt that that is untrue, but people live in their own reality. And what the internet has done, especially social media, is it siloed us into believing that Donald Trump is always right and does nothing wrong, or that he's always wrong and does nothing right. And in every instance, that is the case. And I'll segue into this. 
Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt probably really regrets putting his hand on Jer- Guantano's face mask or anywhere on his body, which shouldn't happen. But it is not the end of the world. He shouldn't be fired for it. He shouldn't be suspended for it. It was a slight mistake that we can move on from. And I said that on social media. And the responses that I got were so vile and really mm-hmm. don't bother me one bit. Okay? But, I mean, but but I, but I am like, but it, it's, I'm either the, the, the smartest person in the room or the complete biggest dumbass in the room that has ever lived and is stupid and should die. And right. that's the world we live in now. And it's really sad. Well, and it's also impossible now for anybody in the media to convince someone of their opinion. Right. Of anything. Of anything. Right. right. And that didn't used to be the case. Right. Because now you've got so many voices out there. Um, so you can find someone that will agree with your stupid opinion, even if it's a stupid opinion. So, you know, Harry Irving can think the world is flat, but there's thousands and thousands of other people who agree with him. Right. And YouTube so videos of showing that it's flat. And, and so everything. he doesn't feel as stupid when really he's kind of stupid for thinking that. Um, I don't know. It's it's the whole thing is very confusing to me, but I think the only reason Jeremy Pruitt would regret tugging the face mask of Derek Garantano, yes, Garantano, it is because of the backlash that occurred. Have we live in a in a society that doesn't have fake outrage and isn't loaded with snowflakes who get upset about everything for no reason? They don't know why. Right. I don't know why they're upset. They just like to be upset. They think they're supposed to be upset about something they see, so they become upset about that thing, and then they make it their life's mission to prove to the world that everybody else should be upset about that thing. Right. That's it. Um, I will say this, though. I will say this. Jared Guantano is, let's say, the employee, and Jeremy Pruitt is the employer. And if the mm -hmm. employee doesn't want to do what the employer wants, then don't let the employee work don't let him in the game if he wants to go rogue on fourth and one from the inch line and get stuffed instead of handing the ball off which looked like the play that was supposed to be called no employer is allowed to come up to me or you or anyone else in a workplace environment and put their hands on me and so jeremy pruitt should keep his hands to himself and not point and scream in someone's face that's also not allowed in a workplace environment, and this is a workplace environment. If Jared Guantano is working for free or working for a scholarship or whatever, he's an employee to Jeremy Pruitt's employer, and put him out of the game. Put someone else in. If you don't like it, fine. But grabbing someone by the face mask was wrong. It's not the end of the world. I'm not saying he should be fired for it, but it was wrong for him to do. I liked your example. I think you gave it on a text message. Uh, string we were on Uh-oh. about the the classroom the classroom was better it's more dorky dorky yeah well i had to dork it yeah. down for those people didn't you say if you were like a some sort of economy major or something like that and the teacher came over and grabbed you by the hair or something right yes if i'm in a class if i'm in a if i'm in any class 
and uh, I'm a student. I'm a student athlete, right? That's what they call me. And a professor <laughs> comes you're, up to me you're and, a and doesn't like the grade I got on a test or how I was performing in that class and smashed his hand on my desk and then grabbed me by the hair and pulled me one row back. Now, is that acceptable just because it's it's culturally acceptable for football coaches to scream like madmen on the sidelines where in no other profession that happens? It's not it's, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't the right thing to do. Everyone knows it wasn't the right thing to do, but Tennessee fans will defend his actions because Jarek Guarantano didn't score a touchdown. Yeah, I think a lot of people who aren't Tennessee fans, though, didn't see it as well. The, and I will tell you, let's that revert somebody, to five minutes ago in our conversation. I know, but somebody told me when I was talking about how ridiculous it was for this outrage. Somebody told me if they had done that to your kid. You would have flipped out, and I'm like, no. First of all, I don't have kids. Yeah, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't have flipped out. Still smart enough not to reproduce. <laughs> Secondly, my child's playing football at a high level. I've been through this before. You know, he's probably been yelled at at pee wee level. Probably yelled at at high school level, college level, blah blah blah, on and on. But I don't think the trauma of that event would affect my child in any way, shape, or form, but yet I watched TV this morning, and Marcus Spears, and, and, uh, gosh, what's what's the guy's name? Mike Greenberg. Mm. They're talking about, well, you don't know everybody's individual history, and all this other stuff. There we go. Oh, my God, you gotta be kidding me. Here's what I don't understand, Mike, and maybe you could explain this to me, because I just, I honestly don't understand it. These college coaches want their players to act like professionals. They want them to be professional in the classroom and on the field and in life. That's perfectly fine. I completely understand that situation. But when you watch an NFL game, do you ever see Bill Belichick, when Tom Brady throws an interception, grabbing him by the face mask, pointing at him, screaming up and down the sideline? I'm not just talking about Jeremy Pruitt. It's very common in college football. I just don't understand why coaches act like children a lot of times on the sideline instead of acting like professionals and moving on and trying to win the game in a calm manner. Every NFL coach is a super pro. You don't see Sean McVay screaming at Jared Goff. You don't see Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan screaming at Garoppolo. You just don't see it because they're professionals. They're not acting like crazed children on the sidelines and i don't understand why that culture in college football is so rampant because in college football bronco mendenhall has a very successful team he hardly says a word all game because he acts like a pro and that's all i'm asking don't grab people by the face mask don't point and scream in their face on the sidelines don't hit whiteboards don't punch whiteboards act like a professional i think it's part of the culture of college football just like professional wrestling you know, it's, it's part of the culture of professional wrestling. Well, that's fake, though, Mike. <laughs> yeah, but I'm telling you, you got to have the outrageous manager who comes out and screams at everybody. Everybody and, doesn't uh, have to be Lou Pinella. And baseball, the same way. I mean, you've got adults wearing baseball uniforms, which is the stupidest, <laughs> funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then they're, they're pulling up bases. They're kicking dirt on people's shoes. It is. Still, to this day, they're doing it. And in college football, that's what they do. They get... This shows I'm a great coach. I'm going to get in your face and it'll be real because I'm developing. I need a get back coach because I can't just stand somewhere. I need oh, to get the get back, back coach is the funniest thing <laughs> in the history of college football. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I, I just don't even know how to compare it to anything else. 
I need my strength coach. coach to be doing the jumping jacks on the sideline because we're so pumped. It's it's, it's funny. so ridiculous. And then when, you, when you do get a coach like Doug Marone who who goes over and yells at Jalen Ramsey, yeah, all of a sudden his million dollar cornerback wants to be traded. Yeah, you can't deal with that. Yeah, you know, it's like I think there is a mentality that coaches have in college that they do rule the world. Oh, oh, you and, think? And these kids have no recourse. Of course. But to deal with it, because what's he going to do? What's Garantano going to do? Garantano going to do? Is he going to transfer? Well, that's why they well, don't want them to be paid. That's why they don't. That they're, they're worried about free agency. That's why they hate the transfer portal because they would have less control, and that's all they care about is controlling everything. Yeah, I kind of like it though, because <laughs> it makes for these larger than life cartoon characters in some cases i know but then but that, that here's my point and it, it makes college football fun i sound way. like a big baby but then i watch lincoln riley and he you know what he's doing he's looking at the defense and then picking them apart like a freaking vulture on a on a dead turkey and dan mullen yeah. hardly says a word and james franklin right. might yell at the refs once in a while and be fired up but in a positive way mike gundy doesn't say a word all game I mean, all these guys who are really good offensive minds or defensive minds or whoever, I mean, they just stand there and they pick people that they pick the defense apart. And if somebody needs to be yelled at after the game, they do it privately. They don't go into the middle of the field to scream at somebody and pull them by their face mask. But then if they don't do it and their team sucks, then they're a horrible coach and they should be fired. Yeah, but they should be fired anyway if their team sucks. I know, but people <laughs> like to use that. Like, Willie Taggart isn't a guy who really gets very animated. And, and right? the, Well, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, but the thing is, the thing that's sad about this whole Pruitt thing is Tennessee is looking much better. I think. I mean, when they, what, when I watch them against Georgia State and BYU, they look terrible. When I watch them against Mississippi State and Alabama, they looked much better. I mean, they were in that game against Alabama for long stretches. But, I mean, it, it's just sad that, you know, that, that's just, that's my point. There are so many good coaches at the college level, at the high school level, at the professional level. You watch Jason Negro at St. John Bosco, even Bruce Rawlinson at Modern Day, who play each other this weekend, the two best teams in the country. They hardly say a word all game. They, they make sure that everything is in place, everything's ready to go. You don't see Negro running 80 yards down the sideline, hit punching whiteboards and yelling at people. I mean, that's, I mean, and I understand people's personalities are different, and I'm open to that. I understand everyone is different. Mike, see how I'm doing this? I'm very open to all I that know. stuff. But there is a way annoying. to uh, there was a there's a way to operate as a professional, and when you do that, you look like a like a wild man out there. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> That's what you just said. Exactly right. The, yeah. I accept I accept both styles of coaching. But it, I, I I just I think part you know again from an outsider's point of view, I think it makes college football kind of fun. No, it, no, it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to see Bud Foster put his hand through a whiteboard. That's kind of something I want to see. It's neat. It's like a cool trick that he can do over and over. Again. Right. If Bud Foster was, you know, wearing a suit on the sidelines and was all calm and what fun would that be? Also, so yeah, it's it's a good mix. But the fact that you know he barely touched the um, the face mask. You know, and, and, and I think the part of the reasoning is, too, that they said that Garantano numerous times when getting off the field and having the coach talk to him 
just didn't it care. Sort, sort of ignores him. Right. He was just trying to say, hey, listen, you're going to listen to me this time. Because honestly, if if you were on the math team and I was a math team coach and you knew the answer, but you decided to go rogue and right. change the answer, I would take your calculator smack you over the head with it. <laughs> so back to these coaches' salaries. And so who's the who's the craziest one who makes the most money? Let's look at the top hold 10. On, I need, hold on, I need guy. to pull it back up. And I love that USA Today does this. I think it's Jimbo. Like Jimbo, oh, Jimbo's I mean, won a national yeah. championship. At least Harbaugh, you know, coached in the Super Bowl and – Played at Michigan and it was a big hire for them, and right. you know, kind of moved the needle financially for them. But Jimbo's Jimbo's done nothing. Done nothing. The team does not look very good. They slipped by Ole Miss. Recruiting's about the same as it's always been. Yeah, yeah. Recruiting you know, is. Uh, yeah. They were a hot name in the summer, and then Texas got all the in-state recruits, anyways. I, I don't know. I mean, Gus Malzahn's been to the national championship game. Kirby Smart's been to the national championship game. Tom Herman is certainly turning things around in Texas. Well, Brom, Brom makes no you, sense. You sure about that, Mike? Yeah. Oh, I think, I, listen, Kansas is Kansas. It's hard to get up for Kansas. Yeah. It's hard to give up 48 points to Kansas, too. But, uh, yeah, I think Texas is headed in the right direction. I, I'm just curious to see, you know, if they can ever get I mean, if I'm Lincoln Riley, if I'm Lincoln Riley, if I'm Dan Mullen, if I, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald making five million is a joke. If, yeah. if I'm Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen, James Franklin, I'm going to my administration and going, if Jeff Brom is making six point six million dollars and his buyout is twenty seven million dollars, then I want to make twelve million dollars and my buyout should be fifty four million dollars. Well, two of those three are going to get that opportunity and probably all three, because James Franklin, after the season that Penn State's having and, and should finish, you know, either first or second in the in the division. Yeah. Is going to be wooed. Sure. Uh, USC has been talked about. Sure. Uh, Oklahoma is going to have to Pon- really, really pony up, and I don't even know if that is going to matter. Right, because the Cowboys are coming. Well, the Cowboys, the Falcons, I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah, but I think, again, if the Cowboys don't make a run deep in the playoffs, I think Jerry Jones has to. Has to fire him, especially if. And he has to go after Lincoln Riley. That's the only name people I mean, seriously, every NFL team, I believe every NFL team went to Norman this summer to learn to try to learn that offense. How can yeah. you not how, how long can you stay there until you're like, wait a second, there are bigger fish to fry in this world, you know? And Mullen will be uh, sought out. There just aren't a lot of teams that I think will be looking for coaches. I mean, he's not a USC fit. See, I think I think and this sound this might sound this might sound stupid, but I think Dan Mullen would be a perfect NFL coach. He doesn't have to recruit. He could be X's and O's. He doesn't have to motivate and do all the crazy stuff you have to do. You could just sit on the sidelines, run your offense and win a lot of games. Yeah, no, I think he'd be good too because recruiting is not his forte. Right. Uh, nor is it what he loves to do. Right. You know, I don't know how successful he, he would be. I mean, you know, the success rate from college to the NFL isn't a great one. Right. But he could certainly, you know, 
be in the throw his hat in the ring for the Atlanta job and get himself quite a raise. Right. So I think all three three of those guys are are in line to make more money than Jeff Brom. And Jeff Brom, you remember, used the Tennessee Lu- position and the Louisville. Yeah, Louisville wanted him. Back. Yeah, Louisville wanted him, and that they would have lost him to their, uh, you know, like obviously his alma mater and uh, a team in the same region. And Tennessee wanted him. It's alma mater, uh, Mike, not all, alma mater. They don't. They don't rhyme. And then, alma and mata don't rhyme. Can you play that drop before you want to be catching again? <laughs> the truth is, has finally been revealed. It's annoying me. <laughs> Let's go down the list here and see. Ryan Day's vastly underpaid. Yeah, but he's just starting. No, it doesn't matter. He's great. Muschamp is vastly overpaid. Mm. Paul Christ is probably underpaid. Finally, just lost that one. Though. I know, but come on. Chad Morris is making $4 million, and so is Ed Orgeron. I mean, how ridiculous is this? Yeah. And he's got a bigger well, buyout. Yeah. Chad, Chad Morris, that's a disaster right there. Yeah. How about Cristobal only making 2.6? Yeah, that's that's very surprising. That's a guy who could be USC fit or potentially go off to the SEC. Yeah. Because he's a great recruiter. And that, that Oregon team is good. I mean, had they not blown that game against uh, Auburn, we'd be talking about them in the playoff. Yeah. As a playoff contender. That's why I'm a big proponent as much as, as it's not fun. I'm a big proponent of not scheduling anybody non-conference because if you win the Pac-12 and don't play anybody and go undefeated, go 13 and 0, they're going to put you in. Yeah, I think they would. Although, well, and the Big 12 didn't have a title game, so that was kind of their excuse there. But um, yeah, yeah, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to play. You, there's just not enough credit given, you know, to strength of schedule and. Right, but, but you know, to do it up front in the first game is the way to do it. Lose the first game, and you can come back and like like Ohio State did when they lost Virginia Tech, or you know, you can rebound and still get and and win a national championship. Why is Brian Kelly only making one point six million? Is that because I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. That doesn't bring in like his TV money and endorsement money or something. Well, no, I also don't think some of these that don't have buyouts and don't have yeah, they're not accurate bonuses. I don't think. Now let me ask you this question: Dabo Swinney's making nine point two five million, and that's as yeah. that's as school pay. Total pay says nine point three one five. Is he is he also making money from Nike and everyone else? Uh, yeah. Or or is they, this total compensation? No, I think they have endorsement deal. <laughs> so when Nick Saban does a when, when Nick Saban does a whatever commercial he does, Aflac or whatever, Aflac. And they give him a million dollars. That's not represented in this no, number. That's not represented in here. No. The, the, oh my God. I, okay, I'm I'm done talking about this. No, this is just what the school pays them. Now the endorsement deal for Davos Winnie could be part of the entire deal that they're a Nike school, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're Nike school. That Nike has with you know Clemson Athletics. It could be part of that. So it could be in his school pay here. But yeah. the Affleck, that's not included with Nick Saban, no. Right. School ain't paying him to... You like that? School ain't paying him... To do no Affleck commercial. To do no Affleck commercial. So you're telling me Nick Saban makes $8.857 million from Alabama. He makes all of his endorsement money. 
I'm sure putting that Coca-Cola on his on his uh, press conference yep. lectern is making him money. Mm-hmm. And Tua Tungavailoa and Jerry Judy have to go to an eight o'clock creative writing class, or they don't get their scholarship money, and they can't make any money off of their names or jerseys or anything else. Now, how that can possibly be justified? I I, I keep coming back to this conversation, but it is so utterly ridiculous that if Nick Saban yeah, well, gets fired, he gets thirty four million dollars. It's for the the big name guys are the ones that suffer. Well, but, yeah. okay, let's let's have it your way. Let's pay them, and they can market their license and be paid for it. Okay. All right. But no scholarships. Why not scholarships? Because you can have both ways. Sure you can. You can have premium pay and commercials, these, uh, unless you're Howard Stern. These players, these play. Okay, okay. Then take away all academic scholarships, then too, because if you're getting a music scholarship, you can also perform in the New York Philharmonic and get paid for that, and then go back to school. You could also perform it. You could be a. You could be. You could be an actor. Sierra White at Los Angeles Loyola is in Space Jam too. Somehow, some way, his family or he is going to be paid to do that. Mm-hmm. Should he not get an athletic scholarship because he's also a very talented football player? You could be paid in anything you want to do, anything you want to do, except if you're an athlete, you can't be paid. Now, why is that? If you're a musician, if you're an athlete, if you're an artist, you could be paid for doing that and still go to college on scholarship. But if you're an athlete, you can't. Um, Simply because what we talked about earlier, it would skew the power of balance. Right, exactly. Power in, in, in college football. And that's not a good enough justification for me not to have these players paid for what they're doing. Well, we're, Especially we're... looking down this, this list, and we're talking about almost every single coach on this list, if they get fired, Jamie Chadwell is the coach at Coastal Carolina. I'm sure you knew that. He yeah. is be, If he gets fired, he gets a million dollars for just leaving. Doug Martin at New Mexico State, who's 0-7 this year, would get $1.1 million. And Tua can't get a dime. What's your movement going to be called? I don't, Everybody has a movement now and a hashtag for it. I I I, uh, I would have, I was going to make a movement joke there, but I'm not going to now. Pay for play. <laughs> play. I'm not the only one who's on the side of this. I'm I'm a big Jay Billis fan on on this topic. Oh my gosh, I do not like Jay Billis. On this topic, I, I'm in I'm complete agreement with him. I think the ultimate <clears throat> narcissistic. Uh, I'm better than you are move in the history of modern society Okay, is to follow zero people on Twitter. Oh, Jay Billis doesn't follow anybody, huh? Zero people. That's a Skip Bayless move, too, yeah. And guess what Skip Bayless is? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. I, I follow, speaking of anti-narcissist, I follow 6,972 people. Yeah, I'd like to dig into that list, too, if I had time. <laughs> it's such a loser list. It's all recruits, all coaches, mm-hmm. all, like, CNBC nerdy financial market stuff. Yeah. And sure then nothing, nothing in the adult industry there. <laughs> there definitely is not. That's my oh, Pierre Del, Lanto, Del Canto account. <laughs> 6,300, there's no doubt. There's somebody in the adult industry. <laughs> like Eric the actor. Uh, he followed Orita Potatoes and uh, 
something else. IHOP. <laughs> I think I follow IHOP. I bet you do. I know I follow Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm still <laughs> waiting for them to pay me an endorsement. <laughs> so we're done with the college football uh, coaches and talk. Have we have we we haven't really railed against Harbaugh's salary enough, right? Dabo's won a national championship. Nick Saban's won a national championship. Jimbo Fisher's won a national championship. Kirby Smart's been to a national championship, and Gus Malzahn's been to a national championship. Jim Harbaugh's third, and he's been to nothing. He's uh, won he, nothing. Yeah. He hasn't won his division. He's never won anything at the college level. He's never finished second in his division, right? Right. Right. Yeah. No. Nothing. That's just been fun. to a Super Bowl. Yeah, which is good. Maybe he's more geared towards being a pro coach. It's just not working out at Michigan. No, it's not I mean, working out. But nobody cares. They don't care. I think I, they've accepted. I, I think they've accepted their fate. They don't want to get rid of him because they like no, him. No, everybody wants him to stay there because they're worried because the hires have been so bad. Right. That they they're worried that they're going to hire somebody that's even worse. So let's take our ten wins a year. Let's take our, you know, second tier bowl game. Let's take our third place finish, and our top fifteen recruiting class every year and we'll deal with that and i read the book i read that new book by john bacon uh overtime it's about michigan football it's a year of michigan football last year they he followed him around for the year very good book but really the tenor of the entire book was that we care about developing men for the next 40 years and we care about not cheating because everybody cheats but we're not gonna but michigan isn't gonna cheat to to win and all this kind of stuff. And I said, all, this, all of this is nice, but, you know, if you're going to pay your coach this amount of money, you should expect to win, too. You know, I mean, that, that, that you can you can not cheat and still win. I mean, uh, I, you know, they, they were railing on schools in the southeast for cheating. They didn't name. But it's like, I come know. on. I, come on. Well, that's the whole excuse, too. I mean, every time you see a kid come into an SEC school and and Michigan was a finalist for him. Yeah. You start to see the, the bags of money emojis and all that other stuff. And, you know, I mean, we all know cheating occurs, but the, the fact that everybody thinks cheating only occurs right. in warm weather right. is just the funniest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Right, right, so, right. And I'm not saying Michigan cheats, and I'm not saying any teams down south cheat. I'm just saying let's be realistic about this whole thing and understand it's never going to be an even playing field ever notre dame can't recruit kids that other schools can get in right and that's always been the way it is and it always will be the way it is when's the last juco recruit notre dame brought in never. right not that i mean not never but geez it just doesn't happen yeah it doesn't so happen, it's yeah. just it's 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 never going to be a fair playing ground and, and that's just the way it is but that's what makes college football great is that you've got lunatics on the sidelines screaming you've got people <laughs> punching whiteboards you've got holdback coaches you've got such disparity in the recruiting ability and geography and yet you still have programs holding on to past history hoping against hope that they're going to go back to 1990s whatever yeah and and reclaim that glory and it's just never going to happen right it's the only embarrassment i think 
is I don't think Tennessee is an embarrassment. I think what Philip Fulmer did was amazing, but they still don't have a great recruiting geography. It's good. It's not great. The only embarrassing one is what's happened to Miami. That's embarrassing. Yes, that that is that bad. Never ever happen. What about Florida State? That's, what's happened to Florida State? Is that embarrassing? Yeah, but it's only been the last few years. Yeah, that's true. Miami's been forever. Right. I mean, Larry Coker started that on its downhill trek. And when was that? The early two thousands. I like to I like to do this because it really puts things into perspective. Since the year 2003, so now 16 years. So the fresh freshmen on the Miami team were two, two years old. Hmm. They have one 10-win season. Hmm. It was Mark Rick's second year. One 10-win season. They, they've finished in the top 25 since 2003. Since 2006, they've finished in the top 25 three times. Top 25 three times. And they and they moved from the Big East, right. which was average. That's where they won all their games. Yeah, it was very average. To the ACC Coastal, which is abysmal. Right. Virginia, Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. Only one of those programs can claim any sniff of success on a regular basis over the last 20 years. And consistent success, and that's Virginia Tech. And those days are long gone. Yeah. Virginia's stunk for a long time. Pitt went to the ACC title game last year, but that was, you know, obviously a one and done. Um, well, they could get there this year, too. Duke is Duke. North Carolina has... You know, stunk. Larry Fedora had one lucky year. Georgia Tech won a national championship 100 years ago. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Miami should be embarrassed. Yes. And their fans, I think, are. I think they are, I too. Think. And and I, they just don't know what the solution is. I mean, it's yeah, it's a pro town, and they don't have good facilities, and they don't have an on-field campus and stuff like that. But who cares? I know. I mean, you know, you're, you're Miami. You can get past that. And you don't have to leave your town to get to field a very, very good football team. Right. And you've got all these guys that went off to, to the NFL and are still successful in the NFL, some of them. Yeah. Uh, to sell. Yeah. So how can you just not be successful? Out of all those teams that, you know, I think the only division – no, there's no division that's worse. I was going to say Clemson, but Florida State's been good for – you know, most of the time there. No, it's the but, worst division in Power 5 football. Right, but it has been forever. Right, right. You know, it's not like, you know, the SEC West has been the power division in, in, in the SEC for quite some time, but before that it was the SEC East. We should, you know, we should be talking about how Miami wins the, the, the Coastal every year, but then gets clobbered by Clemson, and how do they overcome that? But we're talking about the, they're last in the, in the Coastal. Yeah, excuse me second to last with georgia tech you know basically revamping their entire offense do we want to address very quickly um 90 day fiance uh we can or love after lockup i don't watch that i don't have time what i have this is us million little things love after lockup awesome gray's anatomy 
you're gonna start watching it. You'll watch the old seasons. You cannot not watch it. Can I stream it anywhere? Uh, I don't know how to stream anything, but I'm sure you can. And now here's the other problem I'm having in life. I pay two hundred dollars a month for Directv, and I watch. Yeah, well, here's what I watch. I watch three shows, and then it not, and and then live sports and the news. So is there a way that I can do that without having to pay two hundred dollars a month? I'm gonna tell you something. Okay. And this is the difference between me and you. Because I don't have children, my cable bill is roughly, this includes internet and phone, $360 a month. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I don't care. Because <laughs> I don't have to worry about putting braces on anybody. Yep. Or buying school clothes. Yep. Or anything like that. So I can't answer your question because I'm living in such a different world yep. than most people are. So 200 sounds like a bargain to me, and I think you should be happy about it. Now, to 90 Day Fiance, the most compelling portion of that, by far, without question, is the fact that the guy with the small head and no shoulders hasn't slept with the Yes, <laughs> and on the last night in Colombia... They didn't sleep together either. What is happening? You you wonder, you wonder. I mean, you do have to wonder if he's still in love with his ex, who he's still very very close with. Veronica. Veronica. That is that is one of the interesting ones. There, the, the, this is a great season of Ninety Day before the Ninety Days, because you wonder if that guy in England is truly in love with Darcy because they couldn't oh, be. He can't be. He can't be. No, there, he can't. They couldn't be no. more different. There's nothing lovable about her. They, well, a few things. No, she's super. Di- wow. <laughs> in this day and age, you're gonna say that? No, her personality is is, is oh, lovable. No. Okay, I thought you were talking about a couple other. <laughs> no, she. <laughs> is needy she cries at every second she does there's no there's it's impossible to be in love with that person she lives in connecticut yeah she's in middletown she's like I think. right yeah. up the road from me yeah yeah they're, they're, no no he's not, no the one he just wanted to get her out of there he's so happy she's gone the one in africa i think that guy is getting played because he he gave the family groceries for the bride price and six hundred dollars yeah. And he's still got to pay more. And he's got to pay more with no end in sight. Although that sounds pretty cheap compared to what most of us pay for the bride price in America. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right, Dave? That's right. You hear me talking. I hear you. That it show is easy. incredible, though. That, that show is so good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else is on it. What's the other ones? Um, uh, Michael. I just watched it. Michael. Oh, Michael! Michael! <laughs> the I'm one who wants you. her daughter to carry their baby? Yeah. So what would that yeah. make the baby to... I don't know. Uh, mutated? I don't know. <laughs> Something bad. Great Something one. not good. Yeah, so there's the Michael. Colombian one, Michael. And, he, and he, 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 she has Michael ask her daughter for eggs. <laughs> Michael, you ask her. <laughs> Baby. Tote the baby. baby. I'll, tote, I'll tote the baby. <laughs> I just need the eggs. God, this show's so good. People don't understand. They think we're stupid. No, that show. We're really the, we're the smartest. <laughs> that show is great. Yeah, it's it's really never the 
Netflix at once. Do you watch it, Dave? No, I told you. I, I'm not a big reality guy. God, you're yeah, Big Brother's off. Yeah, for sounds them. Like Big it. Brother's off now. Worst season in history. Yeah, but Love After Lockup, bro. I'm telling you, I know you. You would love it. All right, I'll take a, I'll take a gander. Love it. <coughs> Make your there, prediction. There's a, there's a girl right now who's dating two different inmates. Wow. That's all she dates are inmates. Huh. It's, it's awesome. And there's another guy who sent letters to ten different inmates. And he wants to adopt their female lovers. Interesting. You can't, you can't make this stuff up. Are these guys it's in prison so for good. like blue collar or white collar crime? Or no. Is this... Some of, one of them is in prison for malicious wounding, whatever that is. <laughs> Others are for bank wounding. robbery. The guy who looks like Dave Barry is in for bank robbery. <laughs> I mean, there's real stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's a great show. All right, I think we're done. We're at an hour and 20 minutes here. Nobody's listening by now, so. Okay. No, there's no way. All right, well, let's, let's remind. If anybody is listening. If anyone is listening. If they listen to the end, please tweet at me, at Rivals Mike, and tell me you listen to the 90 Day Fiance part. Yes. Maybe, I'll, maybe we'll try to get you like a like a Gorney t-shirt. We should, we should uh, tweet at the 90 Day Fiance people and see if they'd come on the podcast. That would be great. I would love any of them. I would too. I, I I could speak to them at an expert level. I'm that into the show. <laughs> I would want Darcy on. That's what I would want. I, I want Jesse because he comes back for the reunion next week. He does. That's yeah. that'd be great. He's just a horrible human Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. Yeah. All right, Dave. Wrap us up. All right. Well, like Mike said, his uh, Twitter handle is at rivals Mike. Gorney's at Adam Gorney and I am real Dave at Real Dave Barry. We will see everybody again next week.